Welcome to this uh, ICM podcast. I'm Giuseppe Citerio, I'm the editor-in-chief of the journal. I'm uh, happy to be to have here with me today two authors of a paper that we recently published on uh, uh, expanding controlled donation after circulatory determination of death. And I'm happy to have here uh, Beatrice Dominguez-Gill, she is uh, working in Spain. She is the National Transplant Director of a Transplant Organization in Spain. And uh, we have also Francis Del Monaco, that is uh, an emeritus professor at the Harvard Medical School, and he was involved in uh, renal transplant for more than 40 years, I think. Welcome to both of you. Welcome, uh, Beatrice. Welcome, Francis. I would like to share with the readership uh, some concepts with you about this paper because I think it's an important paper that we published in uh, a couple of months ago, but I think we need to return back uh, for the uh, intensive care community. And I think uh, the first question from my point of view, I will ask to Beatrice and then to Francis, why this statement is needed? Because I think we already heard about uh, donation after circulatory death since years. Please. I think it's important to state that when we review data about donation and transplantation in the world, and uh, ONT uh, is in charge of collecting this type of information for the WHO, we see that control disease only developed in 17 countries throughout the world. And at the same time, we know, and this has been revealed by the intensive care community, that many of our patients are dying following the decision to withdraw life-sustaining therapies. And these individuals in many jurisdictions are not being given the opportunity to donate organs. And we are well aware because of previous studies that this may be related to ethical and legal issues. And our intention was to try to overcome those obstacles that could help us not only to increase the availability of organs for transplantation, but also to give these individuals the opportunity to donate their organs, if that is consistent with their wishes and values. So our intention was to um, expand the opportunity of DCDD across the world, um, trying to address those issues that are very relevant for the um, medical community and particularly for the intensive care community. To concur, the, the essential objective was to promote controlled DCD throughout the world. But the, in the midst of that objective, it was to develop an ethical propriety of withdrawal of life-sustaining treatment that transitions in end-of-life care to the opportunity of organ donation. And to do so was to bring a very statured group of intensive care physicians to have their perspective in that propriety, that responsibility of the intensive care physician in providing this opportunity of transitioning from death to donation. And then as well, it was to make a clarification about controlled DCD to be assuring of a unifying concept of death that enables a 
suitable, proper death declaration that enables organ recovery. And then finally, the third component of the paper is written by those who are in the midst of the recoveries to exclaim the recent research that makes the recovery of organs from donors after circulatory death successfully transplanted because of the in emerging technology of repair. So those are the fundamentals of this paper. And importantly, the statured authorship in each of those components that brought forward a consensus statement. How can you envision that this group of people could change the way we are acting? Because as Beatrice says before, not so many countries have developed programs. So I think we need to, to, to put in place what is written in the manuscript because I think I invite uh, the readership to take a look at it because I think it's, it's quite clear in, in the definition of a step. The first one is to take a look at the patient and decide that the patient could not be saved. So we have to stop treatment and there are some concept of uh, a devastating brain injury and so on that are repeated in the paper and are, I think, the mainstream from which we start. Then there is the process that we can offer to the family to, to organ donation. And now this document could change the practice. Uh, how can you envision, uh, Beatrice and Francis, the possibility to change the practice worldwide with this such a document, looking at the barriers we have uh, worldwide for implementing such uh, such process. So um, we have tried to um, address the three fundamental elements that represent a barrier to the development of this city in the world. In the very first place, one barrier is the consideration or the perception by the community or the potential perception by the community that decisions to withdraw life-sustaining therapies could be related to the prospect of organ donation. So we are very clear there that the assessment of the prognosis and decisions about the care of that individual should always look for the overall benefit of the patient and should be previous and independent of any consideration of organ donation. So that's very clearly put forward in the paper. The second fundamental element that is a barrier in many countries in the world, including European countries, is the issue of determining death by circulatory criteria. We do this every, every day, but when organ donation is going to happen, uh, the timelines and the construct that is uh, behind the diagnosis of death raises many questions to the intensive care community. So we have tried to, um, or we have come with a, with a new paradigm in the determination of death, which should be based on what we call the permanent cessation of circulation to the brain. Because it's that unified concept of the determination of death that should be clear to the professional community. And I'm sure Dr. Del Monico will further expand on this concept of the permanent cessation of circulation to the brain. That will bring a lot of clarity to professionals and to authorities who develop the framework 
for uh, the determination of death in the different jurisdictions across the world. And the third component is not that much addressed to the intensive care community, but to the medical community as a whole, which is how to make the best of these organs who uh, suffer um, as something inherent to the prolonged worm ischemia to which these organs are exposed prior to transplantation. But to us, the two first components of the paper are particularly relevant to the intensive care community. And the novelty comes from this concept of the diagnosis of death based on the permanent cessation of circulation to the brain. And I'm sure Dr. Del Monico would like to expand on this. If there is no circulation to the brain, within minutes there is a loss of brain function. Brain function, as de defined by the capacity for consciousness and the capacity to breathe, that is both cerebral, cortical brain function and brainstem function, is lost without circulation. And that is the fundamental criterion upon which we can declare death. If there's no brain function, there can be a declaration of death. The brain cannot function without circulation. And so once circulation is interrupted and permanently lost, then so too is the function of the brain lost. The injury to the brain that will result in its functional loss is either by a direct brain injury or by a circulatory arrest. In the instances of the declaration of death by neurologic criteria, fulfilled is an absence of brain function both cortically and brainstem. In the circumstance of DCD, there is a loss of cortical function, but there may well be the possibility of brainstem function as evident in a patient that is intubated, ventilated, and triggering the ventilator to know that there is indeed brainstem function. And thus, the patient can't be declared dead by neurologic criteria or brain dead. Nevertheless, with the withdrawal of life-sustaining treatment, Ultimately, there comes an absence of circulation and importantly, not just systemic circulation, but an absence of circulation to the brain. If there is no circulation to the brain, there can be no function. If there's no function of the brain, the person can be declared dead. Those are the fundamental concepts that are involved in DCD. And we have intended this statement to overcome the obstacles of those who may incorrectly consider the person not to be dead as a result of the process of DCD. Further, we emphasize in the paper an obstacle that could be considered by some. It is not the intention to overcome the dead donor rule by DCD, that is, Organ recovery is not the cause of death. Cause of death is a permanent absence of circulation to the brain that results in the loss of its function. So those are essentials 
that we have placed to the statement, again, by authorities in the determination of deaths, included in the authorship of this statement, that bring a validity, a scientific validity of DCD as establishing correctly the death of an individual. Okay, thank you, Francis. I think about also the flowchart that is presented inside the, the document is very clear for the uh, intensive care doctors for taking a look at the different path that the patient could have uh, going toward brain death or a death through cardiac, uh, cardiac criteria and uh, the possibility in both conditions of organ donation. And I would like to invite uh, all the readers to take a look at it. It could be downloaded. It's an open access paper, so everyone could take a look at it. And uh, I think uh, that uh, this article and the uh, group that promoted it is going to promote uh, uh, worldwide the possibility to increase uh, the availability of organ through this pathway because the need of organ has uh, many organizations like the Spanish organization represented by Beatrizia are highlighting the need we have uh, for organ to be transplanted for people that need it. So I, I thank you both of you. We need to keep uh, uh, short our conversation, but I think uh, uh, we made, uh, I think, the case for the people to take a look at the article and to be curious to look at it and to implement uh, in their clinical practice this pathway. I would like to, to thank both of you, Beatrice and Francis, for your uh, intervention on this topic. And uh, I think the article will address this, uh, this uh, argument very clearly. Thank you very much for your uh, time and for your participation to this uh, ICM podcast. Thank you. And as well for me, thank you, Giuseppe, for bringing yeah. this topic forward. Thank you. Thank you.